0: whatever situation we find ourselves in in whatever culture it's not just Americans that have you know oppression to correct and and reconciliation to do but that's always been the the charge and the calling of God's people is to bring people together
1: welcome to the radically Christian Bible study podcast I'm Travis Pauly and here we have one goal learn to love like Jesus each week I visit with Wes McAdams minister and author together, we explore biblical passages and topics. I hope you enjoy this study.
0: Okay, so today's episode is a little bit different. We have a guest for the first time on our Bible study podcast. And I wanna kind of walk through why we have a guest on today's episode. Um, Travis and I sat down and we talked about a question that was sent in, and I'll read that in just a second, uh, from a listener named Aaron. Aaron sent in a, a great question, and Travis and I were talking about it, and I realized about halfway through that this particular question probably needs um, the perspective of someone who's not white. And, you know, as, I, as we were talking about it, I, it occurred to me, and we finished the conversation, and then I thought, you know what, I wanna, I wanna ask some other perspective, uh, get some other perspectives on this issue, and on this episode, and after a reflection and discussion, we decided let's re-record it because I would rather do it right than put something out um, and be misunderstood or misconstrued, or or, um, or or put something out that would hurt somebody's feelings or cause. Uh, division or heartache, because that's the last thing in the world that I want to do. I'm yeah. all for reconciliation and peace and, and helping people come together. So I never want anything that we put out to to not do that. So uh, with that in mind, we invited Roslyn Miller, uh, who is on staff here as Children's Education Director, one of our two Children's Education Directors, and um, she does a tremendous job. And as well as Uh, bringing me and helping me um, and bringing uh, perspective to a lot of different conversations and discussions. So, Rosalind, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Well,
2: thank you for having me.
0: I'm excited about, um, it's not an easy conversation to have because it's a horrible situation, Um, and the question revolves around an event um, with a police officer named Amber Geiger, who was a or is a former Dallas police officer um, who shot and killed uh, a young man by the name of Botham Jean. Um, and I'll just read Aaron's email that Aaron emailed in, and then uh, then we'll go from there. Uh, so Amber, or I mean, Aaron emailed this. He said, as you may know, Amber Geiger, former Dallas cop, is on trial for the murder of Botham Jean, a black brother in Christ. As a Christian, I don't know what to think about it. On the one hand, her carelessness caused the life of a brother in Christ, but I feel we should be praying for her and for, for and forgiving her, not wishing her a life in prison. I can see points on every side of the issue, though whether she should be locked up for life, get a short sentence, and why Christians should be rejoicing for a long sh- sentence or a short one. I just don't know what to think about it. Thanks. May the Lord bless you and continue the great work of this podcast. Okay, so let's let's just start there, I guess. And I I guess I should maybe start by explaining what happened for those that there may be listeners who don't aren't familiar with. Uh, what happened with amber Geiger and and both Jean. So i'll I'll kind of tell the story, but but Rosalind or Travis, feel free to to interrupt me and and clarify anything if if you feel like I, I don't get the story right. But uh, my understanding is that what happened was a police officer named Amber Geiger um, here in Dallas, and we live in the Dallas area, and uh, she came home to her apartment complex. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Botham of Jean, who is brother in Christ, Um, was at home in his apartment. He had come home from a long day of work. He was on the couch, apparently watching TV, eating ice cream, just minding his own business, doing his thing, uh, enjoying his night. And Amber Geiger came home from from her shift as a police officer. She parked on the wrong level of the parking garage. Uh, She got out of her truck. She walked down the hall. She was on the wrong floor of the apartment complex. Uh, When she got to the door that she thought was hers, Uh, She tried to open it with the key, but the door swung open and wasn't latched or wasn't locked. This is according to her her testimony. Um, uh, And she said she heard somebody inside. Instead of calling for backup, calling the police, whatever, she decided she was going to draw her weapon and go inside and find out who was in her apartment um it obviously wasn't her apartment it was his apartment and so when she walked in she says she saw a silhouette by the couch and uh she says that she told him to show her his hands um and pretty immediately i guess uh shot him in the chest and and uh, both of them uh, died because of his injuries um, she was put on trial, and she was convicted of murder. Uh, we talked even in our previous conversation uh, why it was murder. And I think a lot of people maybe were confused on why it was murder uh, as opposed to manslaughter. Originally, she was charged with manslaughter. I was personally very upset when I heard that it was manslaughter because my understanding of the law, and I think this is, you know, the the trial brought this out. Um, that manslaughter is when you accidentally take somebody's life. It's when you're not intending to take somebody's life. You're driving down the road, maybe, and somebody, you know, you're not paying attention the way you should. You're texting and driving or something like that, and you accidentally take someone's life. You didn't intend to take anybody's life. You were just driving. And you take somebody's life. Murder is when you intentionally take somebody's life. Sure. Uh, in this case, there may have been a misunderstanding or um, confusion or whatever. Uh, there may have been extenuating circumstances, but it, she it still intended to kill someone. She pointed her gun and shot someone intended to take his life. Now, you know... The situation aside, she didn't premeditate it. It wasn't mm-hmm. premeditated murder, um, but but it was still murder, and that's exactly what the what the court has said. Um, so let's just kind of stop right there for just a second. And and, and Rosalind, I'm curious at this point just your thoughts or your um, your response to Aaron's email, maybe, and you know how you think. What 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 are your thoughts around the trial, around you know what happened, um, and and sort of. Maybe even, I want to specifically talk about Christian's reaction and how we react to these kind of things and how we think about them, and maybe even advice to Aaron in how should we feel about this situation.
2: Yeah. Well, first, let me just start by saying, gosh, I am so thankful and humbled that we're even having this conversation. I feel like for a long time, these types of conversations have needed to be had in mixed company, if mm-hmm. I can say it that mm-hmm. way. And I feel like um, within the African-American community, we do talk a lot about these type of events and, and, and forgiveness and what it means to forgive and, and how we feel about that. And um, there's just so many emotions around it. But I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate that you, too, are willing to, to have this conversation. Um, as far as his question, how should we feel about it? I mean, there's so many ways to feel about it. I think as Christians that... (sighs) We feel sad Mm -hmm. about it, you know, and I just love I I know in the uh, last discussion that you guys had, you actually referred to a post that you made where you said that you were, you know, sad for all of these people. You were Mm -hmm. sad for his family. You were sad for even Amber Geiger. And I just think that's the as Christians. That's Mm -hmm. how we should feel. We should feel sad, but we should also feel motivated, I think. We should feel motivated to to have discussions like this to try to understand how something like this happens and just what we need to do to implement forgiveness mm-hmm. and how we can support each other and help each other mm-hmm. with forgiving because it's not always um, is not always easy. Yeah. and especially when you're talking about uh, these type of situations where you know for centuries, you know, you feel like you have dealt with injustice over and over and over again and, and how almost, you know, you think, wow, is it that is I should keep forgiving or other people looking at me just like I'm stupid mm-hmm. for, you know, for continuing forgive? And I think that that is the implication. Uh, that is what some people are putting on the black community actually mm-hmm. right now. It's mm-hmm. like, why are you forgiving? Why mm-hmm. Why do you continue to, you know, you need to do something? Yeah. Right. yeah.
0: So, it's yeah, I mean, there's there's so many, like you said, there's so many layers. And and I feel like, I personally felt like, um, even as a young white man, you know, I felt like my heart was being pulled in several different directions. And as I, I thought about, I made a post uh, the day that she was convicted of murder. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, I was I was a little bit afraid that mm-hmm. that she was going to be acquitted you know I didn't know how the trial was going to go and I felt like I think she's guilty, you know, and I mean, I'm not a juror, and I'm not the judge, and I certainly don't have a say in it. Um, but but my heart is broken. My and, and I said on Facebook, I said, my heart is broken uh, for our country, uh-huh. that we're so divided, and there's so much conflict. My heart's broken for the African American community that uh-huh. feels like, at least from my perspective, who feels like you use the word injustice, uh-huh. you know, that we've got We've got centuries mm-hmm. of injustice. Things that, that that have you know, we've gotten better and things obviously have gotten better than they, they mm-hmm. were in the past, but we have layers and layers and layers of injustice, not just in the past, but that obviously we feel like continue to happen. Mm-hmm. Um and, and 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 there's problems that, that have to be dealt with. And and every time, every time a young a young man is is gunned down for no reason who's shot for no reason, or, you know, or these types of situations happen. It brings all of the issues to the surface and it doesn't matter, you know, on one hand it does matter, but on the other hand, it doesn't matter what the situation was. You know, it, it just brings all of this tension and all of this situation that just hasn't healed. I mean, because of everything we've been through as a, as a country and as a culture. And so you know, I thought, man, my heart is breaking for that community. My Mm -hmm. heart is breaking for, especially for Botham's family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you've got, you know, his personal family and friends. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know Botham personally, but I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people that knew him personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my heart's breaking for his family and friends. And then I even said on Facebook, my heart is breaking for Amber Geiger. I didn't, I didn't attach anything to it. Like I even like edited that post several times before I posted it. And I thought, I mean, my heart is breaking for her, sure. you know, but at the same time, do I say that? Am I being insensitive? I, I, that, another group that I said I was, my heart was breaking for was for the law enforcement mm-hmm. community. I've got mm-hmm. a lot of friends that are police officers. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that every time a situation like this happens, it makes life more difficult yeah, and absolutely. more challenging for them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and then I, I said, my heart is breaking for Amber Geyer. And I got a lot of pushback, mm-hmm. you know, about, um, well, your heart shouldn't be breaking for her. She's the criminal. She's the bad guy. And, you know, I mean, on the one hand, I, I agree. But my response was, Jesus teaches me to forgive, mm-hmm. you know, and to turn the other cheek and to love love my enemy. So even if she is my enemy, and I'm not saying she's my enemy, mm-hmm. but but even if she is my enemy, my my calling is to forgive her. But at the same time... There's also that tension that I, I wanted justice to mm-hmm. be carried out. I wanted, I, w- I didn't want Botham's family, and I didn't want um, our culture to to feel like there wasn't a consequence for what happened, and 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 all of those things. And then, and and you you mentioned forgiveness several times, and I'm glad you did because we haven't even brought up what happened next. Mm -hmm. So she was convicted of murder, and there was sort of a sigh of relief, like, okay, justice has been done, and then it quickly went into the sentencing. And then um, Brant, Jean, his brother, Botham's brother, uh, was on the stand testifying to what he thought um, should happen with Amber Geiger. And I don't remember exactly what he said, uh, but he said... um, (laughs) did he say he doesn't even want her to go to prison i forget he did he
2: did say that
0: and and he he said i i I want you to know jesus or Mm -hmm. i forget exactly what all he said but he asked the judge's permission to get down off the stand and go and hug her i mean it shook the world i mean it i mean everybody Mm -hmm. took notice so if you don't mind Rosalind, i would love to hear your perspective on sort of especially from the african-american community the reaction, and even some of the family's reaction to um, to what Brant did, and and the positive side of that, you know, and mm-hmm. the the way to go, you know, the forgiveness, but also m- maybe some of the, you know, I don't want to say the other side, but I mean, th- there was some there there were some people who really didn't care for for what he did, I guess.
2: Sure. Um. You know, it's really interesting. I I can't say that there is a negative side from my perspective yeah. to what Brand did. Right, he did exactly what we're called to do. Yes, he forgave. Um, there just there's no wrong side to right. that. So um, I will say this though. I think that you know everyone deals with um, this type of hurt differently. And though like. I, li- I like to look at um, Botham's mom. Um, I believe her name is Allison. I, I don't want to say her name wrong. But anyway, she, while she didn't do the same thing that Brant did, I think that she was perfectly great in the way that she... Uh, approached this. And while she said, you know, we need to forgive, but also there is consequence mm-hmm. and there needs to be justice. Yeah. And so, uh, and there's nothing wrong with how she responded to. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what I'm, I'm saying that both ways were okay, yeah. you know, and, and that's good. Um, I think it's really interesting too, because in the in the African American community, I feel like you know, if you look back, there has been a lot of forgiveness, and it doesn't always happen in a public venue mm-hmm. like we got to see Brandt yeah. uh, give. But there, there has been a lot, and you know, not. and I was talking to you about this. Not that I feel like anyone needs a trophy for forgiveness, but I do feel like um, there hasn't been a lot of credit given to the African American community for the forgiveness that that we have. Um, you know, given for so many atrocities and so many injustices, and how we've had to keep going, and just you know, kind of move move through and and just move forward with yeah. a lot of the things that have has gone on. So, um, yeah, I feel like
0: no, no, yeah, yeah I, it's I, no, just I, kinda... no, I, I, and I, I was telling you a story that that happened to me. A few years ago, I, I shouldn't say happened to me a story that that was told to me um, a few years ago, a brother in Christ, uh, an elder in the church, mm-hmm. was sharing with me um, he grew up a young African American in in segregated Texas, mm-hmm. and um, he his family uh, was good friends with their mailman who was white. and the mailman invited his family, to come to a gospel meeting at a white congregation and said, yeah, we would love for you guys to come, but you'll have to stay outside. You can sit in your car. And I was just floored. Like, he was telling me this story like he was was telling me that he went to the grocery store. Like, I mean, he was not apathetic about it mm-hmm. but he wasn't upset about it he was just mm-hmm. telling me this is this is what happened and i was just floored I, so he invited you to their gospel meeting but he essentially disinvited you by saying you weren't why would he even invite you and i was just you know indignant that mm-hmm. that that this would happen and i said how did you feel or how do you feel telling me that story and he said "Well, I said it's just the way it was at the time
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
0: and that amount of forgiveness to and and that's one thing that happened to i'm sure one out of a million things both big and little that happened in his life it was just an example of of what life was like growing up for him and he held no bitterness and no anger and Mm -hmm. no resentment toward that man or that man's circle of friends, or towards the white community in general. Mm-hmm. No resentment, no bitterness, no anger whatsoever. Was loving and forgiving, and that is incredibly... And so when I see someone like Brandt, or mm-hmm. I see somebody like, like this brother, um, it, it inspires me, because mm-hmm. like you said, there is no negative to that. Mm-hmm. It's only positive. <laughs> um, but I, I guess what, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but... I I guess what maybe there's some pushback to is I I don't think we ever want to be guilty and and I'm afraid maybe we have been guilty of telling oppressed people or people that that feel like injustice has been done to them, um, telling them it's your responsibility to be forgiving and loving and whatever Mm -hmm. and not seek justice and not seek uh, fairness and equality. Um, and I and I feel like maybe that was some people's reaction was like don't don't tell me to forgive because what I want is justice you know mm-hmm. I want and and that tension of trying to like you said Botham's mom held that really well with both hands in, mm-hmm. yes. We mm-hmm. forgive and we love mm-hmm. her, and we want her to find Jesus, and we want her to be reconciled to God, and you know we want what's best for her. But at mm-hmm. the same time, there are consequences to to our actions, and there is it's mercy and justice are not at odds with each other. No. But but I feel like sometimes maybe um, maybe we we come across like that's what we're saying like you shouldn't seek justice, you should be more forgiving, you should be more um, you know whatever.
1: A mm-hmm. uh, question for both of you. Um, as Wes and I talked about this, I've had time to kind of rethink a lot of the questions that I have about about this this thing that happened. And and I know one thing that has been rolling around in my mind ever since it first happened and we heard about this was, you know, I'm always very suspicious of, of news, as I think we all have become, because we get news, we get the the thing that happened mm-hmm. at the same time as we get reactions <laughs> because you know, in the same amount of time that I get it, everybody's getting it. Millions of people are getting the same news and then they're commenting on it. Many of them. And so immediately, I heard the, I heard the story and it was, it, it was, it was particularly pulled out for me because uh, this young man went to Harding. Um, Uh, I I actually first saw it because my cousin who went to Harding was a, you know, sort of a friend of his and and posted about it and immediately heard about it and thought, you know, heard the story and how it went down. And I thought, oh, man, somebody in their own home and this officer comes in and it's just this horrible thing that happens. And you immediately put yourself in the shoes of somebody who, man, I've been sitting at home eating ice cream, watching TV at night, and I can't even imagine something like that happening. Mm -hmm. But then the reactions started happening and uh, you know, everybody on every, you know, with it, with and, uh, with every perspective weighs in. And it's not entirely self evident to me about when I hear this story that there was anything, uh, that, that was racially charged that she had, I mean, I think it, from the day one it was, well, did she mean to do it? That was the question, you know, was, was there some prior motive to this? Um, but I think that's what, complicates everything is, is I don't, when I hear the story, I don't hear anything that makes me go, it it just sounds like a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake that should not have ever happened. Shouldn't have even, you know, the, the, the variables that that were involved that, that let this thing come about. None of, none of them should have come about. None of them should have combined to, to, to let this happen, but it's not entirely self-evident to me that there was some, you know, maliciousness or even racism involved.
0: I think that brings up a, a tremendous point, and I'm glad that you asked that, Travis, because I, I think that that sometimes that's exactly—I think you hit the nail on the head—in where we're talking past each other in our culture yeah. today, where one side is saying, "You see, this is the systemic problem that we're dealing right. with," and the other side says, "Why are you playing the race card? Why? Why is this? What? What does right. this have to do with race at all,
1: anyway? You know?" Because then I feel like I'm I'm missing, I'm missing something. I'm not connecting some dots. That's exactly right. So
0: I. If Rosalind, if you want to speak to that, I mean I of course I have my thoughts on it, but I, I would love to hear your perspective on this.
2: Yeah, you know, it it is hard because over the last several years, this type of thing has happened over and over right. and over again. And I think a lot of people do look at these situations and they and they feel like it's not because of someone's race. Right. But yet it keeps happening. And so it's it's kind of hard. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard for me to look and I think that and it's you can sit back if it's not happening to your community. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly feel like that's a privilege that you have sure. to look at it and say, Oh, well, that's not really, you know, I can't really pinpoint something, but when it's happening to your community and you have a son that looks like the people it keeps happening to, Mm -hmm. then there's something that sparks in you and you kind of, you know, you kind of start wondering, why does this keep happening? Right. Um, And it's real interesting because in some ways, I think for some people, this case was the first case that it really... Affected because of who Botham was, because he was a church going young man who was, you know, beloved by so many people. And he was humanized because he wore a suit and went to work at, you know, this great firm and all of this. And it always doesn't happen to people like Botham. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and that's real interesting, you know, to kind of say, well, People cared this time, mm-hmm. and people noticed. And I mean, honestly, I've thought a lot about this because you know we we have her testimony about, um, you know, what she saw when she walked in there. But you know, Wes and I were we were having a conversation about how, f- for Black people, like our skin color is criminalized, and mm. I, that may be hard for a lot of people to understand. But it's like. I don't know. It's like you prove every day, especially when you meet someone new, that you're okay, that you're not a criminal. That's that's essentially mm. what you are having to prove when you meet people and have a relationship with people. When you go to church with people and they go, oh, you are such good people and you are good and your kids are good and because they have gotten a chance to know you. And that's right. why... I love the congregation that we're in now because it's so great, it's so diverse, and we're getting to meet people that don't look like us and didn't have yeah. the same background that we had. That And we can just – like when something happens on the news to a group of people, even though it's not my background, I can think about someone – I'm sorry, I can think about someone at our congregation, and it's easier for me to empathize. Mm-hmm um but i think it's so when you don't have relate uh, when you don't have relationships with people that who are different i just think it's hard to empathize and when you have not had these kind of conversations and you don't know mm-hmm. i mean and and part of it honestly travis i think is the poor job that um our country does with teaching history and mm-hmm. uh, honestly there's just not great History about African Americans and what we've been through, and I mean, even in fairly recent history, you know, we talk about like your friend Wes, uh, that uh, that went to the church here in mm-hmm. Texas, um, who's a member of the church, and you know, was going to have to sit at the back. But I mean, we're we're talking like my parents' ago. generation. Yeah. Right, and yeah, my, this guy's not very old. That right, was telling me that story, right? Yeah, I mean. And my great grandparents that actually were coming out of slavery, and yeah. just like my mom and dad that lived in the Jim Crow South, and I mean, things that you know, it doesn't sound racial to you when you hear it, sure. but I can tell you, they see it. Yeah. You know, we just uh, we just experienced uh, kind of going through the funeral and death of Elijah Cummings. Uh, who is a congressperson uh, in the United States. And, you know, just to hear him talk about how things felt like in the 50s and 60s and how, you know, when you feel that now, I mean, he has something to compare it with. It's like it feels the same, some situations. And I guess unless you've been through it, it's really hard to, you know, I can understand how it'd be really hard for you to know, but when you have been through it, you know. Right. Right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think a lot of people in our community we know and we and again we've watched people over the last several years kind of go through the same thing, but because they weren't both them, because they didn't have his background. It, a lot of it was just kind of dismissed, and, and I think what's so timely about this conversation is that you know we look at uh, Brand and the forgiveness that he just poured out on Amber Geiger and how beautiful that was, and I think it was for so many people. And I know there were naysayers and people who were negative about it, but it was somewhat of a kumbaya moment, mm-hmm. I think, especially mm-hmm. for the Christian community. Yeah, and then. Not long after that, within a couple of weeks, yeah, there's been another case where a woman, African American woman, was in her home, and she was. It was uh, she had a neighbor to call. Her name was a Tatiana Jefferson, and she had a neighbor call to do a wellness check. She's playing video games with mm-hmm. her nephew, and uh, the police come to a wellness check, and she ends up getting shot and killed in her home. He shoots through a window and shoots and kills her. Now, a lot of people go, Why would that, why would you feel like that was racially motivated? Well, because I believe in most communities, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to have a police come for a wellness check and shoot you through the window. But this is an African American community, and the odds are, frankly, the person that they were going to shoot was was going to be african american yeah i mean that doesn't mean that they you know yeah. th- that doesn't mean that they were just out to murder someone and i'm not saying that but i'm just saying that i think there is more caution and more care mm-hmm. sometimes that comes when you are not dealing with a people who have been dehumanized in so many ways for so long, and it's just hard to, you know. The, again, we work hard to to humanize ourselves,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, by trying to be good people, by forgiving. And it's so funny. I was thinking about there's a poem that I learned a long time ago by Paul Lawrence Dunbar that talked about wearing the mask, and I think for a lot of African American people for many years to be able to navigate through this country and everything we've been through, uh, we've had to wear a mask, mm-hmm. you know? And I, mm-hmm. and honestly, I think that's where a lot of the pushback comes because people feel like they don't wanna wear the mask, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah but we need to get to a point where forgiveness is not a mask for forgiveness is real but so is justice because we know God cares about justice yeah. you know i love going back in psalms and reading about how god feels about justice mm-hmm. and and that's important mm-hmm. and so is forgiveness yeah. so we've got to make those two things work together
0: i think that's exactly right and i mean and and i'm glad you brought us back to the scripture because i mean and and really with our new format in this podcast we're really trying to really dive into and so I thought into the scriptures and you know I thought a good passage to look at and to think about in this context is Isaiah chapter one Um, and and so the Lord is speaking through Isaiah um, and and really telling his people why he's so angry with them you know it's interesting that we have this tendency to focus a lot on um religious people should like like even if you just like finish that sentence religious people should (laughs) what like worship right or you know we have conversations about how we should dress when we go to worship we have all of these kind of what i would when you read the scriptures you can't help but think a lot of our conversations about what quote-unquote religious people should do might be pretty superficial when you really get down to what does god expect from his people Um, And he told the people of Isaiah's day, he said, when you spread out your hands, you know, to worship, I'll hide my face or hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen because your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause Hmm. um i mean there's so many things there we could spend hours just talking about it so one you know he says cease to do evil so there's part of it that it's like am i doing evil Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times you know aaron's original question in the email was you know how should we feel about this and how should we think about this you know and i think a lot of christians a lot of white christians would say well i'm not a racist You know, I don't hate people that don't look like me. I don't hate people that don't speak my language or that don't come from my background or aren't part of my ethnic group. I don't hate those people. And so I'm not doing evil. I'm not I'm not oppressing them in any way. And maybe that's true. You know, and and that's probably true for most people. Um, We could talk about some other issues besides just hating or, or oppressing. But but it's not just cease to do evil. It's also learn to do good and seeking justice and correcting oppression. So God has always expected his people not just to not oppress. That's one thing to just not be a racist or not be oppressive, um, but also to correct oppression. And, And I think that, you know, we could, it's one thing to look at our culture and look at our community and say, you know what, it's better than it was. And man, that's true. You know, I'm so glad that we don't live 50 or 60 mm-hmm. years ago. But I think sometimes we forget, or I forget. And like you said a minute ago, Rosalind, it's easy for me to forget. And that is a privilege because it's easy for me to forget that this wasn't that long. We're not talking about ancient history, we're talking about very recent history um, that parents and grandparents were a part of. Um, and that we, those scars, and not just the scars, but but still, the injustice continues to linger. And the effects of those the effects of slavery and then the effects of reconstruction after the Civil War and the effects of uh, Jim Crow laws and segregation and all of those things, those those. The effects of those things are still present, even though the laws have been changed and it's illegal to Treat people the way that we did treat people in this country at one point the effects are still there and you know One one guy I heard one time said, you know, it's not um, How did he say it? He said I didn't I didn't make the problem it, I didn't cause the problem. In fact, you may have been at that same conference Maybe I forget exactly where I heard him say that but he said, you know it I didn't create the problem But it's my responsibility, you know, it's it's not my problem, but it is my responsibility forget exactly how he said it but But in other words, you know, I didn't I didn't contribute to this. I didn't make mm-hmm. this this isn't my generation's fault you know that we are where we are but whatever situation we find ourselves in in whatever culture it's not just americans Mm -hmm. that have you know oppression to correct and and reconciliation to do but that's always been the the charge and the calling of god's people is to bring people together and to correct oppression and if there is anyone that has been or is being oppressed or hurt in any way and i'm not i'm not saying and i don't think you're saying either that that all policemen are bad or oh, that, you know, or that there's, the, yeah, they, I, we're not mm-hmm. saying nobody's saying that. Mm-hmm. But what we are saying is, it, it's hard not to think that there's a problem when these kind of things happen over and over again, mm-hmm. not just to young black men, but in, in African American communities. And, mm-hmm. you know, and when, and when I hear people, when I hear white Christians say, I was scared of this, quote, unquote, big black guy why are you, why does the color of someone's skin make him scary to you? Why are you afraid he's a bad person because he's a black person? Why is that? Why are you making that assumption? Why do you assume the very worst about somebody because of the color of their skin? You may not hate them. You may not want to hurt them. And I'm not saying you do. I don't think most I don't, and most police officers are are good people, and I don't think most of them have any intention of hurting anybody. I doubt Amber Geiger wanted to hurt anybody. And it's not, sometimes it's not about hate, but it's about fear and it's about assumptions that we make. And, and sometimes it's just because the culture we grew up in, and, and it's because of the people we know, and the people we don't know, and the experiences we've had, and the experiences we haven't had, and all of these things have contributed to be where we are. And so the question is, what should Christians do about it? Well, I think this is part of it. You know, it's plead the widow's cause, you know, and <laughs> uh-huh. not not just specifically the widow, but in, in ancient Israel, there were several people, the fatherless, the widow, the sojourner, the the foreigner, and God expected his people to look out for those that were marginalized and those that had a hard time. And so even if even if there's a a white brother or sister who's listening to this and says, you know i don't I don't get it. I don't I don't think there's a problem. I don't think there's any oppression. I don't think there's any injustice. I think it's just individual, you know, bad situations that happen. It's just it just happened. It's just coincidence. Even if that were true,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we still have. I think what's so powerful, and you started off, Rosalind, by saying this, is having these conversations, mm-hmm. in just listening to each other. Mm-hmm. Because even if that were true, even if, even if there wasn't a problem, the fact that anyone feels like there is a problem, that that should we should empathize at the very least, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we should be listening to people if. If my brother in Christ says, I don't feel like I'm looked at the same way you are, Wes, because you're white and I'm not, I don't feel like I'm looked at, I, I I feel like someone assumes the worst about me because of the color of my skin. Then if I love that man, if I love that person, I should at least empathize with him and how rude is it for me to say oh just get over you know you're you're wrong nobody looks at you and nobody yeah. thinks that you're you're wrong here yeah. and just to be dismissive of people's impressions and feelings and there's no way we're going to deal with this and bring reconciliation and peace and harmony and justice unless we're willing to put it all out on the table and say okay here are these events that keep happening here's why i feel this way here's what what i think the situation is and then we can deal with it we can deal with the the facts we can deal with the 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 cases as they come about and we can deal with people's feelings and and the past and the history, we just have this entire, you know, layers or piles of, of things that have happened and continue to happen. It's like you said, I felt like we just caught our breath. And I felt like Brant helped us to catch our breath with the Amber Geiger trial. And then the the situation with the Tatiana right. happened. And it just like it just knocked the wind out of it us does, again.
2: It does. And, you know, I'll say that what we part of it is that we need to really be honest and all of us and recognize our own prejudices that we bring yeah. into it and our own perspectives that sometimes is hard to get out of and and empathy is such a great tool i mean it can be difficult but i think only it's difficult because it's hard to actually imagine what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes okay. i mean we can do it we can sit here I mean unless I mean sociopaths have a really hard time doing this right Right, right. they can't feel for anyone else but we can we can most of us can just sit and imagine how it would feel to be in someone else's shoes Mm -hmm. but so many times we don't it's not conscious it's not in our consciousness immediately to to do that Mm -hmm. and we immediately think about our perspective and, and we identify with someone based on you know, kind of how we grew up, and mm-hmm. whether they look look like us, or whether they have the same socioeconomic background as we do. And you know, I was having a conversation with someone, and they were we were talking about the tri- um, them trial, and you know, it was like, wow. You know, we were really nervous about that. Um, what, how much time she was going to get after she was convicted, uh, when she was sentenced, uh, because we really it'd be nice for her to go on and get married and have children and then my thought immediately was wow my perspective is like bramp would, I mean uh, both them is never going to get married and he's never going to have children and you know it's just like you jump on and i i needed to think well that is true you know amber could go on and she could get out of uh, jail and she could you know become a Christian and you know things could be great but that's not where I jumped mm-hmm. you know I jumped thinking about wow his family is going to suffer for the rest of their lives you know so we've got to get out of ourselves yeah and we've got to try to empathize and try to see where each other is coming from mm-hmm. and that yeah
0: yeah and and I think that's exactly what what Isaiah teaches us too is pleading the widow's cause Mm -hmm. means you have to listen to the widow's cause. And, and it also implies you're not a widow. You know, it also Mm -hmm. implies that that's not, you're not the oppressed, you're Mm -hmm. not the widow. Um, And in order to do that, you have to, you have to listen. And I feel like that's, that's what's missing so often. And like you said, that empathy and, and you really, Rosalind, you personally have helped me to recognize um, the inconsistency maybe, or, or maybe the, the, the way that, that the white community or that, that I personally maybe even have a tendency to, to put myself first in the shoes of Amber Keiger,, you know, which isn't wrong. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's good. How, how, how does she feel? What is she going through? What is life like? You know, here she made this horrible, horrible mm-hmm. mistake. Um, and, and yes, that that's a perspective, but then also the perspective of both of himself and his family and, and who do we first empathize with, mm-hmm. you know, who do we put first put ourselves in, in their shoes? And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that's wrong to put yourself in that person's shoes. It just means we have to recognize, like you said, recognize our biases, mm-hmm. recognize who we have a tendency to em- empathize with first and 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 then go from there and move on from there, so that we're not just empathizing with one group or with sure. one person, and that we're we're doing our best ba- because that to me that's what that's what the church is supposed to bring to the conversation and to the culture is not just pleading for justice because I think that's part of it, mm-hmm. but also like Brandt did, Brant did a great job of of helping us to see the mercy and the forgiveness and the love and we can't i feel like i feel like what happens in our culture and it's natural you know it's natural to fight fire with fire Mm -hmm. it's natural to to fight injustice with a hatred and an anger for injustice and i get it i mean when when we see it whatever it is and i i always sort of the the biggest moment of of, of feeling that for me was 9-11 and I guess mm-hmm. probably for most Americans mm-hmm. you know when 9-11 happened I wanted revenge mm-hmm. you know and I was angry mm-hmm. and just thinking back to that moment helps me to realize this is the way that we tend to react when we feel like our people or or ourselves individually have been attacked and are threatened we tend to respond with anger and with hatred and with vengeance. I mean, there were calls to level the Middle East. You know, I don't care who's guilty and who's innocent. Just level the whole thing. That reaction is fleshly, you know, and Brant showed us a spiritual response. Um, he showed us the response of Jesus to not fight fire with fire, um, but to overcome, as Paul puts it in Romans 12, to overcome evil with, with good. good. That's right, and that's that's what the church has to bring to the situation. We have to be willing to say, "Excuse me, America. Excuse me, world. We need to have these conversations about uh, injustice, or we see this situation, or this particular trial, or this particular." issue or whatever, and bring things up and bring things to the surface and say, this isn't fair. This isn't right. This isn't level. This isn't equal. We need to treat everyone equally. And if there's going to be laws, then they have to be applied fairly across the board. And we have to be people that are crying out for justice in the street if we have to. But at the same time, also modeling this kind of loving response. And it doesn't make sense. I mean, it, it, it does baffle the mind to to look and to say, how could you do that? How could you hug the woman who took the life of your brother? But that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. When someone slaps you on the cheek, you turn, and you let him slap you on the other, and you, you carry, if somebody asks you to go a mile with them, you go too. But, but I think that for me, what's really important is that I let Brant, his example, but his example as he's reflecting jesus change wes Mm -hmm. you know and not say you see african-american community this is how you need to respond you Mm -hmm. know it's do you see wes this is how you need to respond Mm -hmm. when something bad happens to your country or your community or your family or you personally wes this is how you respond you overcome evil with good Mm -hmm. and i hope I hope and pray that if something ever happened to me, that's how my family would respond. And if something ever happened to my family, that's how I would respond. And I love I love, when these moments are held up for the world to see that this is what the church does. Um, I think about times where there's been church shootings and where there have been i i think about uh the example i think it was in pennsylvania about the the shooter that came in and shot the little amish girls and and the amish community they they went and they ministered to the shooter's wife and child uh in the wake of their own grief and tragedy they went and ministered to the family of their enemy um and why should that surprise the church, you know, or Christians, or anybody who who names the name of Jesus? This mm-hmm. this is what, the kind of thing that we ought to do. But of course, the world would look at that and say, "Well, mm-hmm. that that doesn't make sense." And you're right, it it doesn't. But mm-hmm. this is how this is how we bring about justice, both in exposing injustice, but also overcoming evil with good.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, just to be just to see that example of a transformed life, a truly transformed life is. So encouraging, and I guess who, who was the person that sent the email to you? Aaron. It's Aaron, mm-hmm. I, I love his question. I love his heart. Yes. For sending that uh, question in. Yeah. And I just think, as Christians, Aaron, we should not um, ignore injustices. Yes. We should not, um, and we should use our voices that God gave us to speak for the least of these. Yeah. But at the same time, we need to know uh, and we need to show the world that we are a transformed people, if indeed we are, and that we can forgive when we need to forgive. How often, you know, I have to ask myself, how often do I forgive this? And it's as many times as I am called Mm -hmm. to forgive is how often I need to forgive.
0: I want to thank my church family, the Church of Christ on McDermott Road, and our editor, Travis Pauley, for making this podcast possible. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I also want to invite you to check out Logos Bible Software, who has partnered with us to give our listeners a great discount. Just go to radicallychristian.com slash logos, L-O-G-O-S. I think you'll love the software and you'll get a great discount by using that link. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.